it is. It's like an explosive obsession with something. And it's fascinating. Like, I get it a lot with play, and maybe that's why uh, people get that reaction from my work, is I get that urge, and then I put it into play, and then it is. Welcome to the Projector Guidance Podcast, your source for unlocking insight into human design. I'm your host, Brandy Yates. Before we dive into this amazing episode with Audrey Fisk, who is a 5'2 Splenic Manifester, I wanted to share an amazing opportunity with you all. On July 15th, which is a Saturday, 2023, I will be guest speaking at an online business retreat where you will get the opportunity to learn some of the best tools and modalities that will help you build or improve your business. We will have guest speakers that will have backgrounds in hypnotherapy, human design, holistic health and mindset coaching, a manifesting scientist who will be teaching us about the quantum physics of manifestation, and a gene key reader. Each speaker will be giving a mini course on how you can improve your business and how to activate the best version of yourself. This is five courses in one retreat. We will be bringing lots of value and wisdom to share with you all. And if you're interested in grabbing a spot today, it is only $55. So if you're interested in joining us on July 15th, the link will be in the show notes. Now, let's bring our attention back to the episode today where Audrey and I dive into the energy of being a manifester and how discovering her design allowed her to find the support she has always been looking for. Audrey shares her story about growing up around manifesting generators and how that brought a large amount of conditioning that she is still currently working on healing from. Her childhood experiences led her to join the Marine Corps, where Audrey met lots of restrictions. And for a manifester, this is really going to manifest itself as anger. But Audrey decided to stop going against the resistance and started to follow the flow within herself, which led her down this path of creating the most beautiful mugs I have ever seen. Audrey is extremely artistic, and if you have not checked them out, I highly encourage that you go take a peek. The detail and the depths of these mugs have truly blown me away. You can find the link to her page in the show notes as well. Now, Audrey and I dive into some past experiences where I reveal parts of my story that highlight some of the trauma that I've gone through and how I do not have a relationship with my parents. I talked about how I witnessed my dad trying to kill himself on the news when he was in a high-speed chase during one of his last arrests that he was involved in. And perhaps I share a little bit too much in this episode, but I'm going to leave that up to you to decide. But before we move forward with this episode, I want you to pause and take a deep breath. and enjoy. Recording this session. So boom, drop the ball. Um, But (laughs) what I was asking you, Audrey, if you could start again, um, because I'm absolutely obsessed with your mugs. And honestly, that was one of the things that caught my attention before actually noticing that you're in human design and they're just completely different. So I wanted to know how you got involved in making those mugs. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I've always wanted to be an artist and I wasn't always supported. So I had to do like, you know, a bunch of um, obstacles before I was able to get there. And when I got there and I was able to do art, I didn't even like know where to start. But the moment that I touched clay, I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. (laughs) So um, I started my first year back to college after the Marine Corps and I just fell in love with it. 
And when I first started, I, I looked at it and I was like, why would I want to make dishes? That's, that's stupid. I don't like why, <laughs> but the more I did it, the more I had to do it. So yeah, that's kind of how it got started. Does it take a lot of equipment in order to run something like that? Yes, it does. And this is one of the Selenic Authority um, <laughs> situations I wanted to talk to you about too, uh, is it's a lot of equipment and it's expensive equipment. And it's, um, it's pretty scary to jump into. And when I did that, I was going to school here in Michigan um, and COVID hit. You know, my Saturn return hit, COVID hit, trying to go to school for art after years of wanting to be an artist. Um, and then I just had this, this feeling, you know, couldn't explain why it said, hey, buy a potter's wheel. And I was like, oh, that's scary. I don't have that money. Put it on the credit card. And like a year, I had more than triple paid it off. And I was, I started my business and then two years go by and my stuff sells instantly. So that was one of those Lena kits that was like, big time paid off. It's so cool. Um, but yeah, not, not cheap to um, run ceramics at all, but it's fun and it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, just the creativity that you, cause I went deep into your TikToks cause, and I went back to like the Halloween ones. Um, cause I was just literally so flabbergasted from the like there was a mushroom one with the moon and it, yeah so I'm I'm obsessed with them I want one for myself I want one for my partner I want one for my sister um so I'm like gonna keep tabs on when those new ones come out because it's just fascinating to me and so I'm kind of curious did you know human design before starting your business or did you learn human design during your business and have you like applied the things you've learned and how has that kind of uh, unfolded for you? Uh, messily. Um, I tell you what, I did not know human design when I started my business. Um, <laughs> so it was just me with my, my root trying to push my dream of being an artist. And I did fall prey to, you know, my open heart center saying, well, okay, people like your stuff. You have to produce, you have to produce. And so I, I you know, um, <laughs> had to kind of shift some of that energy but no when I started my business um, I had been studying like astrology and you know different modalities of spirituality kind of trying to heal all of the stuff that I've been through in my life and I had become I got my pottery business going and I still felt that there was like something missing and so I then got into coaching and I got my coaching certificate and I started coaching and it felt great and then I found human design. So um, I'm still kind of learning and applying it in my business and unlearning things that I kind of, you know, put into place. So it's been really fun and it makes so much sense. And it really does make everything flow so much better. Yeah. <laughs> so I love it. Yeah. What would you say since you found out you're a manifester, right? Because, and it's funny that you're, <clears throat> you, you said, you felt like something was missing and manifestors, you guys are not here to niche down, right? So you can have your pottery and you could do your human design and you can bounce back and forth whenever you get the creative urge to want to go this way or that way. And I envy that so much because as a projector, I'm like, okay, <laughs> we need to get specific. We need to recognize what it is that I exactly that I want to do. So I can put energy into that thing. Um, so what would you feel since you've discovered that you're a manifester and you're like unlearning things? 
things and learning new things, what's been the biggest transformation that you've, I guess, applied to your business since um, adding that manifest or energy behind your business? Letting myself rest is probably the one because I would push myself beyond burnout. I would burn out and then I'd be like, nope, there's still more. I'm still going. So it was very unsustainable and I was suffering. Um, I have endometriosis and my spikes were just insane. So my body was like, uh uh-uh, you got to knock it off. This isn't sustainable. This isn't good. So that was one of the first things that I started doing was just resting. And it's made a world of a difference. Um, And it sounds silly, but slowing down has just opened so much more up for me, which is funny. Yeah. And I mean, to hear you say that, but then also to read your background, which no one knows kind of except me right now, kind of what you what your background was before you started, you know, your art business. Um, I could imagine that you slowing down is a big thing for you to learn because it sounds like, you know, from your teens to your, you know, 30s, you were pushing. So I would just love um, for you to share your story and kind of how you've gotten to where you are today. Oh, okay. How deep are we going? So I can get Go as deep, deep as you want. Okay. <laughs> I'll do my best. Um, so, you know, it all started <laughs> when my mom met my dad. <laughs> and <laughs> so... Um, my parents were very, you know, unhealed. They had things that they both went through that they hadn't, you know, processed or moved on. It's, but, you know, back then there wasn't as much awareness or availability to kind of maneuver those things. Um, so they were um, hurt people who then raised children and hurt their children with their trauma. So um, I, I grew up with a very, very He's a man, both of my parents are manifesting generators, which was a trip too. So, <laughs> um, my dad, though, uh, he chased my mom away when they got divorced. So, we were raised primarily by my narcissistic alcoholic father. And um, I ended up taking on a lot of the responsibility of my self and siblings. So, um, you know, from there, I I was angry all the time, by the way. That was one thing that I love about human design is it helped me understand why, like why I was so angry. <laughs> um, so that was huge also. But sorry, one second. So <clears throat> um, I was getting ready to graduate high school and I really wanted to be an artist. So I told my dad that and he said, um, verbatim well you'd be a fucking idiot if you did that and by the way you're gonna have to pay rent to stay in this shitty condo while you figure out your life and so I said okay you know what fuck you dad I'm gonna join the marine corps and I did um so yeah I was a military police officer for five years um it was tough <laughs> being a manifester and a woman in the military it was tough but it, it was also really rewarding too um so the first duty station that I um, participated in was HMX-1, um, and that's uh, the Presidential Helicopter Squadron, so I actually worked with the Obama administration for a little while, and that was really cool. I got to travel the world and experience things, um, yeah, but then, you know, I got out of the Marine Corps, and I wanted to go back to school, so I was actually a bartender for a while, too. I have 
I've had a nine to five job once in my life and it was for two days. I was, you know, a call center person when I was 16 and I said, I hate it. I hate this so much. And so, you know, I went back to Papa John's and made pizzas because it was cooler and more like fun. So um, anyway, I got out of the Marine Corps and I was a bartender for a while, went back to school, found clay, um, moved to Michigan, finished um, my degree and built my business. And that's kind of where I'm at now <laughs> in a gist. Yeah. So. And I, I relate to your story a lot, right? And I was even thinking and kind of reflecting with, because you're a 5-2 splenic manifester. And having a 5-2 profile is a really challenging profile to have because you're getting projected on physically, mentally. Like There's just so many projections that come your way. And one of the things that I recognized about my trauma, my mother is a narcissist and my father was an addict. and one of the things that I realized about myself, because I am a three five, is that I would get projected on on like who I needed to be in order to, you know, to kind of hold our family together, right? Like you said, you took on a lot of responsibilities. So I couldn't even imagine, you know, you being this manifester. And I think you also have an open G center, like just kind of putting on this mask for everyone around you and a sense of also to protect yourself and to protect yourself from the trauma that happened. And so one of the things that I've kind of been trying to learn is like, who am I when I'm not trying to live up to all these expectations that were placed on me at such a young age? Like I was trying to, I go no contact with my mother. Um, and we tried, I like my, my sister influenced this. She was, she influenced that. I reached back out to my mom that she had changed and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's, we'll see how this goes. Uh, so I opened the door and I opened up the opportunity to reach out to my mom and we only had one conversation. And in that conversation, it just let me know that she, how she saw me growing up was like your drive and your ambition. And you were always so perfect and perfection. And I'm like, no wonder why I was burnt out by my twenties, because since I was a kid, I literally felt unsafe, unseen, misunderstood. and. I knew, I knew at a young age that was like, in order to get any type of education past high school, like I was going to have to figure that out. So I put all my energy into softball and I was like, all right, I'm gonna get a scholarship. I'm going to pay for my school. Like you mom, I'm not going to need nothing because this is one of the things that I realized, you know, with being, with having parents that are narcissistic, because like you said, your parents were traumatized and they pass that on to you. I believe the same thing. I mean, like I wasn't in it, you know, I think what, what really bothered me about my mom is that the cycle never changed. So I'm talking about since I was born until my twenties, my, the pattern was, was my dad would come home and oh God, when he was home, you know, it was so much love because I, because, you know, he's never there. So we would do all the fun things, the love bombing, all this stuff. And we would act like a family for, I'm talking two weeks, maybe if we got two weeks, the longest we would get was a month. And then my dad would leave 
and he would go on a bender and man, every bender was traumatic. It was like, he either took my mom's car. He would take my car. He would take my sister's car. I would sleep with my wallet under my pillow because there's no way you're waking up to get, you have to wake me up to get my wallet. That's how like unsafe our whole household was. And my mom always let him back in. It was like, it was crazy. I was just like, you. Yeah. and then she would buy him a truck or this. And I'm just like, what is happening in this house? Um, so where was I going with this? Um, I, I so had a point here and I'm completely lost it. Oh, it was about environments. Narcissistic people like to create environments that they can control you in. And that's where I believe that this tendency or this narcissistic behavior has developed from my mom because she tried to have an environment where she could control my dad because he was such a wild card. And then that, because that was how she loved people, she has set that up for my me, my sister, my brother. And I was the first one to be like, fuck this. You will not control me. And like everyone knew my sister even told my mom, like Brandy will be the first one to leave. And Brandy will be the one once she leaves, she will never come back. And you just really have to accept that. And like still today, my mom's like, I don't understand why we don't have a relationship. I don't understand why you don't call and just talk to me. And I'm like, because when has that ever benefited me in my entire life? You're either going to use it. You're going to throw it back against me. Like nothing's safe. And I think what sucks the most is like my mom doesn't show any signs of like getting better, even though my dad is no longer in her life. So they've been, my dad passed away. Has it been about a year and a half? Um, and what's, yeah, so that's a whole different thing to kind of unpack and unfold because his death brought, it's almost like my identity kind of shed, right? Like, like when he, when he died, I remember telling my sister that like this hope kind of went with it. Like I feel deep down in my soul, I always held hope that my dad would get better no matter what he did, no matter how much he hurt us. Because in my eyes, my dad hurt us from this disease. Like he never said anything to us. He never put his hands on us. You know, it was just, he was addicted and he couldn't give any of us basic needs. My mom, on the other hand, you know, it's a mental standpoint, you know, it's like, I, and it's just so hard. I feel like for me to have so much compassion be, because I feel like I can't meet my mom where she's at because she can't meet me where I'm at. And I don't know how to have a relationship with her and feel just completely misunderstood. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to do that. Yeah. I went on a rant. Sorry. No, I, I mean, it's crazy how similar, like my dad is, um, I, you know, my relationship with my dad is basically non-existent. I mean, occasionally, occasionally we text, but, um, any last semblance of the relationship I had with him died when he, um, attacked me. Um, and since then, like, it's felt like my dad or, you know, the idea that I ever had a father kind of died. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, uh, dad's man, <laughs> I don't know, moms too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, it's so when my dad passed, 
my brother made a comment like, oh, Brandy must be upset. And, and my sister had to definitely put me in my place and be like, you know, we all had our own unique relationships with him. But for me, like my relationship with my dad was super, super, super deep. Like I was a daddy's girl without a dad, which was just crazy. But I think also the reason why was I just wanted to relate to him so much when he was home. So I played sports and I was the only one in my family that played sports. And so that was the only thing we could bond over in a short amount of time, which is why I felt like we had the relationship that we had where my other two siblings were just so different in what they were interested in that I feel like maybe that's why I had that bond with him. Um, but yeah, when he passed, it's like just, just, yeah, something died, something shifted, something just uh, completely, it was like released. It was like I had been hanging on for just this person um, to show up because even till my dad's like dying day, he was still just under so much trauma. Like my, this is, this is how crazy it is. My dad was under um, a sentence to get to go to prison for life. He, what's crazy is that I actually saw his arrest on TV and didn't know that I was watching his arrest on TV. I was watching Ellen one day and there's this hot pursuit chase going on in Houston. And it came on right when Ellen was about to make me cry at the very end, like she always does. Um, And normally I change the channel, but I did it. And I see this, this, my dad, I actually had talked to him. He he was trying to kill himself. He was being chased and he runs this car into the V of, he was trying to exit, but instead of exiting, he's like, I'm just going to take this car headfirst into this cinder block and hope that it kills me. And it didn't. And I watched this whole thing unfold. And then my sister texts me a week later and she sends me that recording. And I'm like, what is this? Why are you sending this to me? She's like, do you know that's dad? Right. And I'm like, holy shit. Okay. So that was traumatic, but I don't know if it was that instant or another instant, but ever since that incident, he has been under this long trial and was supposed to go to prison for life, but he was so sick because from cancer and he only found out he had cancer from that accident because he would have never gone to the hospital. And so um, he, so his whole time that he's dying, he's also thinking about running. Like he's texting me and he's like, I am not dying in a cage, Brandy. He's like this. Is, and I'm just like, oh my God, like what are you, what's going to happen? What is he going to do? Um, so like even up, in this, up until his last breath, like everything was so dramatic and so intense and just, that's my, even just talking about it, I can feel my nervous system just getting out of whack. And yeah, it's just, it's really, really crazy what that trauma, it's like that trauma bond. And that's what I felt like I had with, with my mom was this, this trauma bond with her. But for me, like human design has made me realize why I have been doing the things I have been doing, which has allowed me to heal a lot of those narratives that I have towards my mother, because it's not so much about the story. It's not so much about what happened. It's the aftermath and how it's affecting me. And so like, for example, you know, my mom, like with your dad, your dad was telling you you're an idiot for doing art school, right? Imagine what that does to your self-esteem to your sense of identity, your direction in life, and especially with you being a manifester, not feeling supported once you share what it is that you want to do. Oh, the anger, the resistance that you must feel. Um, you know, my mom, she would share all the time. 
Like you're just doing shit for your audience. You just do things to grab attention. And you know what? She's not wrong in a sense because I have an open throat and I have gate 31 in my sun gate. So I have the gate of influence and I have an open center that's that when you're not being yourself, you're going to attract attention. So I'm sure I was doing that to some form or fashion, but to bash me about it and to make me feel bad about it and to just drag me down and to talk shit about me, like behind my back to other people, um, you know, a lot of my self-worth has just been in the drain. And right. And I feel like maybe this is the same similarity for you is that because I saw you've got gate 54 and you've got gate 54 in your nodes and in your incarnation cross, right? And it's almost like you, for your low self-esteem, you try to be more ambitious to make up for that self-esteem, which in reality is going to burn you out quicker than anybody. And I felt like that was my story, right? I was like, I'm going to be as vicious as fuck. I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't need nobody. I'm going to figure this out by myself. (laughs) (laughs) right and in that process of this mentality which to me is survival mode I was in just like survival mode of how to be okay because nothing has ever felt okay to where you know I was proving myself in every aspect of my life so human design truly truly has brought so much healing for me when it comes to my relationships with my parents and how I just show up to in the day-to-day life I think that's actually the TikTok that I found you that uh, the proving your worth your whole life, your burnout, that was what got me like to you because that's the same experience. You know, I did the same. I was like, okay, well, if I can't be an artist then I'll join the hardest branch of the military. Fuck you, dad. <laughs> okay. And then I burnt, I burnt the F out and I you know, collected some awesome trauma that I later healed from. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely went to the extreme to prove that I was worthy of doing something. And, I think um, knowing that and my anger, my not self, um, knowing that it was still there for a reason and knowing that it like, meant something has been healing and um, being able to recognize patterns like, okay, where in my life was I the most angry? Oh yeah, that was when this was happening. And then like, I've been able to process so much with the, um, the structure of human design. So it's so cool. Um, and the open heart center proving that I was a badass by joining the Marine Corps, proving I could do it, proving I was tough, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting, because I was looking at your chart before we um, before we came on here, and I'm always interested to look at the nodes. I think the nodes don't get enough credit. I also think because they're 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 hard to understand, um, in a sense, but. You know, I honestly don't think I realized this until looking at yours. I think you've got one of the most challenging nodal placements that an individual could probably have. Um, Only because like looking at it on both your conscious and subconscious side, right? All four gates are sitting in your root center. So this means that your environment is under so much pressure, so much pressure that you're here to work through. But not only that, the 38 and the 39 on your conscious side, that gate of the fighter in your north node, you're truly going to have environments that you're meant to struggle in, that you're meant to provoke in, that you're meant to grow. You're here to assess, to evaluate, to to see how you can expand and what thing is worth fighting and actually struggling for. Man, to have that in your nodes, 
oh god i just yeah i saw that and i was like whoo okay manifestor here to go through some things uh yeah. with that placement yeah big time mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i'm still here so you know i'm doing okay so far <laughs> i think right. um yeah it's it's pretty wild though a lot a lot of healing a lot of processing um and you know, the, uh, ooh, actually that reminds me of a story that it's kind of crazy. It led me to um, my healing. Like we talked about my business and how that got started. But what I didn't say is at the same time, my business was being energetically birthed or whatever. Um, I was also starting all of that deep healing and I was able to do it because I was unconsciously, this is before I knew human design, but I was unconsciously creating a selective cave from which to operate. Um, and so I was able to heal. I had my clay cave. I was able to process. I was able to mindfully, like mind, body, focus on the clay and pour my heart and soul into the clay and just like, heal through that. My whole Saturn return um, so like two or three years, I was doing that and I was doing shadow work and it was rough and I cried so much and um, figured a lot of things out. And I actually had a superpower, like a secret weapon. So, I mean, it wasn't like I was doing all this hard work by myself. My partner, um, he's a 5-1 projector and human design has like, um, shaped, like shifted everything for him as well. Like I brought him with me in my journey and he's like, and so um, he's actually like my projector. He helps me in view. I love projectors. My daughter's a projector too. And so he has helped me with that bird's eye view, like figure my shit out. And it's so cool. And I'm so grateful for like all of that insight that he has to offer. But um, yeah, I love projectors. It's super cool. Um, I think I got off track. I was going to tell you about how it started. And it's just weird. It's so weird because um, when I started that healing journey, I had this weird, inexplicable pain in my tailbone. You know, like when you're rollerblading or roller skating and you fall and you smack your ass on the ground. It was that kind of pain, but I hadn't gone rollerblading. I hadn't done anything. I didn't fall, but it was that pain. I couldn't explain it. And um, Ironically, I didn't know that I applied for a Catholic school, so I ended up finishing my degree at a Catholic school where I met a witch who introduced me to into chakras and like energy healing. And I was like, oh, so what is the root chakra? And so I did a lot of healing around the root chakra without human design. And then I find human design where I'm mostly defined in my root. Like, okay, come on, you can't make this shit up. It's just wild. So, yeah, um, I think that was the gist of it. Story that I wanted to tell. It's just so weird, um, but in a cool way. I love yeah. it. Yeah, my, <clears throat> I mean, before human design, I knew that my root was something that I consistently have to stay grounded in. And I mean, you know that, and I'm sure you've experienced, especially with your nodes, the where they are, the root when you're not expressing or when you're not utilizing in a way that's healthy, like that energy gets turned inward and it becomes super depressive. And that's one thing that when I recognize when I start getting down or I start getting low or I start getting depressive, it's because I'm not moving, I'm not applying action, or maybe I'm not exerting this energy in a way that is really, really healthy for me. Um, but you said something I wanted to ask you, being in a manifester and a projector relationship. Do you feel like as the manifester, I would imagine um, 
do you need a lot of space and freedom to be able to move around and to do the things that you want to do? It's so funny that you say that. I have all the projector and manifestor stories, like all of them. We have done so much work with that and like healing. <laughs> but yes, uh, especially with my line too, I need space. And sometimes, um, okay, so one of the biggest things that we kind of blew our minds was we would fight every time that he suggest he was trying to honestly help me, you know, the way a projector wants to help. But I would receive it like, in a defensive way and we would like uh, you know I get fiery and angry and we explode and so now even and it still shows up and it's funny now when it shows up because we're aware of it like I was working in the garden working my ass off doing it my way and he comes out and he says why didn't you do it this way and I'm like oh because <laughs> he was genuinely he's like genuinely trying to help me um and I just like receive it and I get mad like why are you criticizing me and he's just trying to help so um he knows how important it is to be invited, um, especially, you know, by me when I need my space, for sure. Um, I need to retreat kind of a lot, um, <laughs> fairly frequently, just to kind of get back to kind of my um, self, basically. Yeah, no. <clears throat> One thing that I've still, like, even being a projector that I'm still trying to navigate, because, I mean, you're right about, we'll go up, because I, I do it with my partner, and she's a projector, but I'm just curious. I'm like, well, why didn't you do it this way, or why? Like, maybe you do have a better method. I don't know. I'm just asking, because I'm curious, um, but it does. It comes off as, like, we're giving advice, or we're saying that there's a better way, and what, with projectors, like, <clears throat> you get invited into a relationship and it's almost like, okay, once you're in the relationship, you have that freedom to offer that guidance, but I don't know how like true that is like it, but it has to be on both ends, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, he is advising you or, you know, just, just curiously asking questions, but then you also need to know that like, they're not trying to correct or you know intrude but that penetrating aura man that aura comes in and it's like ah what are you doing why are you giving me this intel when i did not ask for it? and that's what's so beautiful when manifestors and manifest when you guys ask and it's like it truly is like this energetic opening and as a projector we just want to like sliver in there we're like yeah it's cozy in here this is great one because one of the things that I love describing projectors as is uh like a lamp post right like we're walking around and we have we just want to plug into something right we just want to get juice we want to connect we want to see things so we're just standing around waiting to plug into something and the moment we do you know we get really excited Excited. Um, but that's where you got to learn, you know, to wait for those invitations because waiting truly, truly brings that that success and that flow within that relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, at this point, when there is that just energetic like poke is what it is now, I kind of look up and he looks up and like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and so it's like not a big deal anymore. But I love, love, love inviting him because when I do, it's just like, uh, I don't know, it's floodgates of wisdom and like perspective. And I appreciate that so much and I needed that so much to heal. So, um, and we both healed each other. Like I blew his life the fuck up as a manifester. I'm sure you can imagine it, their sparks were flying in many ways. <laughs> but yeah, we've done a lot of healing together and we make such a good team and I appreciate his projector wisdom so much. 
Um, and my, my daughter too, she's an emotional projector, which has been really, really helpful to know because both me and my partner are non-emotional. So um, learning human design and being a parent and looking at her info, it, it's changed quite a bit. I know like how, what she needs when she needs it. Um, and you know, there's always health cards with kids, but um, it's helped a lot. I love projectors. Um, my mother-in-law is a projector too. She's a mental projector. Um, yeah, most of my family were manifesting generators and generators. So it's interesting that I, I, I'm so drawn to projectors, but I am. My sister, um, she's a 6-2 manifesting generator though. And whenever I'm with her, like something happens. And now that we've both kind of grown and healed and gone like back and figured out yeah, we weren't raised in a conducive environment for our growth. And you know, we've grown now. We can kind of, we're so close. And I love like feeling her energy as a manifesting generator now. Now that I can like recognize it, I'm like, oh, that's what that is. That's, it's really cool. So that's another cool thing. <laughs> I'm curious with um with the experiences that you've had with you being in the military i mean you can't just speak your mind uh in military right there's a lot especially with you being a manifester manifestors you guys are here seeking your freedom you're seeking the path of least resistance i don't think the military is set up for any of that right so you've gone through a lot of experiences where i feel like you've had to suppress your voice and so to suppress informing how is your relationship with informing today so you just hit on the thing that I've been feeling the most lately. Um, I have done a lot of work around being seen because um, my deepest, um, one of my deepest fears is the fear of rejection, which unfortunately as a manifester, I receive a lot of like half of my in-laws hate me for no reason. And at this point, it's funny in a way because it makes sense. But a fear of rejection has been something that I've, uh, been working through and trying to heal and using my voice and trying to get over the fear of rejection because it's inevitable and um, you know it's it's worth speaking out like um, so yeah I just now started to kind of in business inform like usually before I would only show my pottery I was scared to show my face I was scared to speak uh, for fear of rejection. Um, so yeah, just this past year, I've done a lot of healing work around that and being able to inform and kind of, um, <laughs> you know, put that manifestor-ness out there with my voice. Um, so yeah, military, my parents, I, um, it's almost like I went so far within myself that, I don't know, most of my life up until now, I, I don't think I experienced a moment of peace, like true peace, until recently. So that's pretty wild, too, now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> I think I got distracted. But anyway, does that answer your question? <laughs> it does, because I mean, even with what you were saying about, you know, your experience with your in-laws, you're a not not only are you a manifester where your aura is literally saying get out of mine right like it's hard to see you it's hard to to be able to really probably know audrey unless you're showing unless you're sharing unless you're informing but not only is your aura saying get out 
you've got a 5-2. You have a double projection. People are seeing exactly what they want to see. And that's hard, you know, and I, and now that I'm even thinking about it, like, cause I'm a three, five where if it's not working, like, cool, just <laughs> bye. I don't care. Get away. But honestly, before, right. When I was operating from an unconscious place, trying to attract attention, it bothered me when people didn't like me. It, it bothered me when, you know, because I was also <clears throat> growing up, I was made to believe that looks will get you everything. And I was not a pretty child. I had a lot of adversity growing up. Um, I was cockeyed. I dressed like a boy, but had no idea like what that looked like. So I didn't have any girlfriends. I it was I was just a weird kid. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, no. <laughs> well, I relate to that, you know, um, growing up, I had one, okay, and this is a weird pattern that I can't figure out, so maybe you can help me, um, another invitation, <laughs> um, so my whole life, I've only ever been able to have, like, one friend, um, at a time, like, I would have a partner, and then I would only have, like, one friend, so in, like, elementary, uh, yeah, elementary school, and then middle school, high school, it wasn't always the same person, but, um, that's a pattern in my life that only just broke. It was like the last kick in the ass from my Saturn return was I lost my best friend. Um, not she didn't pass or anything. We just um, could no longer. I had to move on, um, essentially. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's weird. And I was wondering if you could help me figure that out. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I that's. I feel like when it comes to profiles, like everybody's got an interesting experience. And that's where I'm wondering with you being a five, two, right? That five is really good with strangers, but the two wants to be a hermit. So it's like, you're only going to come out sometimes. And maybe if you make a connection with a stranger, it may develop into something further, right? Um, I don't know if that sounds relatable or or what, but I feel like that two body of yours is a hermit and your your body, your physical body, is not going to do shit just to do shit. Like you're not going to entertain a relationship just to entertain a relationship, right? And you also, I'm looking at your chart, you've got gate 59 in your Jupiter. Gate 59 is not a, it's a gate of sexuality, but it's also like, look, I'm here to be intimate. Unless you can meet me on an intimate level, there's nothing really more for us here. And this isn't sexual. This is how you bond with another individual. So I feel like if you weren't meeting people that had that intimacy, or if you, you know, your body is really secluded, that it's going to take a special person to kind of bring you out or for you to want to develop that bond because a two isn't going to waste their time just doing it right like two's like I'm gonna go hang out back here until the right call calls me out until then you guys I'm just gonna watch I'm just gonna observe I'm just gonna hang out and and work on my stuff I'm gonna work on my pottery I'm gonna work on my self-expression so I feel like it's kind of like that tunnel vision um to where it could have manifested that you were a little more um secluded um when it came to maybe your friend circle yeah that makes a lot of sense I think I was feeling the same. That too, the hermit is so funny. Um, and that, oh, that's another thing that I wanted to talk about is as a five two, like there is a balance because my five does want to save the day. Like so much so that I became a coach as an introvert hermit that needs space and away time. I wanted to be able to help people. I wanted to be able to 
um, you know, help. And then my two, it, it's almost like I have two different people um, in like to me because my two is like, no, go home, turn off the lights, work on your clay. Like I need to touch mud. Like no. <laughs> so um, it's, they're not at war anymore, but at one point they were. Um, and now it's it's like a huge balancing act. Like I can feel myself when I give too much, I kind of my two pulls back. And then sometimes my five pulls me out of my my hermit mode. So uh, the balance is key. And you know, astrology-wise, my sun, moon, Mercury, and Mars are all in Libra. So balance is already a huge theme in my life. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense. And then you know, um, Capricorn and Virgo are my other signs in astrology as well. So it's like earth and air balance just all throughout my chart and I think the 5-2 profile clicks into that like almost too perfectly super interesting yeah and you know with the two being subconscious and being body it almost validates your healing experience and this is where I'm going with this so your body with it being the hermit like you're meant to have you're meant to be naturally talented at something physically right which is where I feel like your creative aspect where you were able to really tap into that and to be creative and to be expressive and your body can can kind of focus on that expression and channel it through your art and you mentioned caves your environment is caves the your the arrows in human design that's currently what I'm studying right now man the accuracy and for you to be able to go into an environment in a cave and to be able to do something artistic and physically that could just that just shows how much healing that can bring you in a way where you know when we go to the other arrow right to the perspective it's almost like you're able to see things in a different way because you are putting your body in an environment where it's being supported energetically yeah oh big time so um, perspective-wise, you know, being in my environment did enable me to look at the possibilities rather than the probabilities, which is my perspective. And previously, my dad's conditioning was so, like, and the Marine Corps, you know, I just had so much conditioning that I had to <laughs> get rid of, um, work on. Um, I forgot what I was saying. Um, shoot. Anyway. Oh man, that just disappeared. I yeah, I don't even know how to bring you back. Um, <laughs> Squirrel. That's okay. It truly happens all the time. And you know, it stinks. It's like when you're on a podcast and you're recording, it's like the one in time you don't want it to happen. It happens. And that's all. Honestly, I was trying to have some grace with myself um, because before I go into these recordings I have so much pressure on like what am I going to say how am I going to say it what's my energy level how am I going to act today right um and I have an undefined ajna right like I have an undefined throat I have so many notes of all the things that I was going to talk about. I haven't even looked at this thing right and I always try to have grace with myself and I was talking to myself today like if you mess up if things go wrong like it's all it's all okay it's all okay. So yeah. I feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself too. Um, but yeah, I had that conversation with myself today because I'm not here to be certain and I'm not here to always know what I'm going to say or how I'm going to say it. But man, that's been such a, something that's been interesting for me to, you know, to be aware of and to adapt to, right? Especially with trauma. And, and I feel like 
with explaining yourself as you're younger, when you're not 100% certain, you're like, I don't know, right? And your parents expect certainty. Um, yeah, it's just an interesting thing to dive into. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> uh, Do you, what were you gonna say? No, what were you gonna say? Um, I was just basically saying that science really cool that helps kind of unravel the mystery behind you know everything <laughs> not everything but things so yeah opening up the possibilities I think is what I was saying about caves being in the cave and then being able to see possibilities that's where I got lost um but yeah because before it was oh well if I make a mug it'll probably not sell or people will probably not like it or um people will probably say this or that or this you know um my aunt kicked me in and saying all of those things and so being in my environment and healing kind of put that inner voice, that inner critic, that critter brain, it put that like on the spotlight. And the more I challenged it and shifted that, I was able to see more of the possibilities and grow and expand instead of being suppressed like I have been most of my life. Yeah. Do you, well, I mean, you kind of already mentioned it, but do you have like, I guess, practices or some sort of system in place where you're giving yourself rest and you know do you man because like okay with manifestors you guys get this creative burst is that a talk to me about that like what does that feel like or have you had any experience with this burst because I say it right but I don't experience it yeah big time it's um my partner jokes about it he just says oh you're manifesting again like that's what I do um, but it is, it's like an explosive obsession with something. And it's fascinating. Like, I get it a lot with clay. And maybe that's why um, uh, people get that reaction from my work is I get that urge, and then I put it into clay, and then it, it, it is. And it's um, really, really cool. So I do it in, our, in an artistic way a lot, like frequently. But then it also shows up in weird little different ways. Like um, behind me is a giant ass garden that I had the urge to um, put into our yard that me and my non-energy type projector did our best to complete by ourselves DIY. And it's, it's like maybe a fourth done. I got tomatoes and basil and stuff growing, but it's not done. So I start things, I really do. And sometimes it's just don't have the energy to carry it through but you know I'll get to it <laughs> maybe eventually um so it's crazy I love it um because I can definitely feel when one of those urges hits because I don't know why but I have to um and it, it's it's a crazy feeling and I really like it um because it's led me to where I am even before I knew human design even before I started healing like I would have those urges and like this, the um, splenic hits, the intuitive hits. So when I got out of the Marine Corps, something was like, you need a house, buy a house. And so I used my savings and I bought myself a house in Utah. Um, and now that house in my family's living there, but it's like, um, that's my retirement now um, because I bought a house as soon as I got out of the Marine Corps. So, and that was a process too. I was a bartender at the time, so it was almost impossible to figure out because I needed two years of pay stubs. And uh, I was in Utah at the time and they don't pay their servers or bartenders squat. It's like $2 an hour. So 
um, it was exhausting, but that was one of my big urges that I can remember prior to knowing about human design and all of this stuff was getting that house um, for me and my daughter at the time. So that it's urges are crazy, and um, I never know where they're going to take me. But it's it's just really cool to kind of see what happens. Yeah. Do you feel like that? <clears throat> Because you have a defined root, right? Your root goes to your spleen. So your spleen helps guide that energy, right? And then your spleen's connected to your throat. Do you feel like your manifestations come really quick and you move through things really quick? Oh, yeah. Um, instantaneous, like just like full body flame, like energy, like it's time to move. <laughs> so it's, it's cool. Um, yeah, it's definitely a potent energy. And the more I've cleared myself, of like all the gunk and all of the conditioning, the more I feel it. So mm. it's really cool. Really. Yeah. Because I mean, you have the channel of transformation and then you have the brain wave, right? So it's almost, and that was a real beautiful description of, you know, you getting a pulse of something to change, something to transform, something to, um, yeah, something to create. And then having that awareness on where do I need to go? What do I need to do to release this energy? And then it being manifested through your throat center. And that's one of the powerful things about manifestors. You guys don't need other people like we need other people. Um, and that's why I'm so fascinated with manifestors and just so drawn to their energy. I think I'm drawn to the independence and I'm drawn to that freedom. And I'm just drawn to like, once you get that hit, you know where to go. Like you have a vision and you're like, get out of my way. This is what I'm doing. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I get all razzed up behind that power. I just, um, it, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it, it's really fun. Oh, and it can be intense and not fun too sometimes. Sometimes it's really scary. Um, it's not always like a fun, exciting, sparky flame. Sometimes it's like, holy shit, I need to do this. Um, so it, yeah, but it's, it's still the intensity behind it. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, um, it's kind of like in relation to your aura, I feel like with you having a repelling aura and then there's like this creative urge, like it's, it is intense and that's where you guys are going to make an impact whether you inform that person or not, like either way, there's going to be an impact on what you do, which is why it's so beneficial for manifestors to, to really connect to their strategy and to inform and inform and inform and really break the conditioning of why they don't inform, right? Like a lot of manifestors tend to not to want to inform because somewhere along the way, maybe them sharing what I'm about to do made them feel more controlled because these people are now going to use what I've said and I'm not going to be able to do what I can do. So I'm not going to tell anybody what I'm doing. And then in the end, you're meeting resistance. You're frustrated. You don't understand why nobody can keep up with you, why everybody's confused on the direction that you're going. So there is so much power, um, but that goes for everybody. That goes for every type, every type strategy it's just not something to overlook. I know there's so much depth and there's so much that can get brought out in human design, but man, just really focusing on just your strategy can truly uh, unravel a lot of conditioning that you may be operating in. All right, big time. Um, yep, informing my family. I mean, I still had a little bit of like the, oh, are you sure? 
but there was no, you did what? Uh, like that wasn't a thing as much anymore. So that was really nice. Um, <laughs> because yeah, I did have to stop informing because everybody shut down what I was trying to inform them I wanted to do. So it was safer for me to just do it and get in trouble. Um, <laughs> so, which was not easy. It was like trying to push a boulder uphill to carry out whatever urge I was feeling in that, you know, in that moment. So um, being able to inform and being around people who I do inform and they are supportive about it has a game changer. It is really cool. Yeah, I think that support is the biggest key. You know, I mean, if you're just informing to family members who are just going to put up more of a fight than anything, um, that support is... But the, honestly, your informing is going to let you know where you stand with this individual, right? So whether it's it's something that you want to experience or not, the truth will get revealed through you following and honoring your own type. Perfect. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yep. I've had to, you know, end relationships because, you know, I informed them uh, multiple times even because I cared about this person. Um, and I informed her multiple times, you know, hey, I need this. Um, this is what I'm doing. And no dice. Um, and it just like, uh, it got worse from there, which I think is in retrospect, retrospect, um, you know, whatever that word is. Um, it's kind of like a blessing in disguise that it got worse because she um, really was kind of like, prevent, not preventing me because it's me, but I was trying to, to like bring her with me on my healing journey. And I was trying to like save her, hello five line. Um, and she wasn't like ready, you know, you have to be ready. You have, they have to do it themselves. So me trying to save her, um, and me informing her, Hey, like, ah, what is this? Um, like the universe was just like, Hey, this relationship, it go get the pruning chairs, like time. So yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, but you know, that's what I love about human design because it gives that perspective and that kind of like lens to look at it through um like an energetic lens which is really cool yeah and it, and it all in all it helps un reveal your truth right like regardless of what the truth is you following your strategy and your authority regardless of how it turns out you know it, it reveals that truth um which is something interesting to think about. I just made a, I made a messed up decision and I'm still like biting myself in the butt from it because I didn't listen to my spleen. And that's the thing about the spleen, man. You know, a yes is real quiet and it's, oh gosh. And like, ah, uh, yeah. My, mm. I think with the spleen, each, each little awareness that comes through, like I really try to be in that present moment so I can try to remember that feeling because the spleen, it doesn't, it's not going to come back again. It's not going to tell you over and over. It's like just this one little body feeling. And it's like, I, you've got to really listen to that consciousness and that information. And if you're not quiet, if you're not still, if you're not present, you're not going to hear it. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this because I made it. Yeah, I mean, I bought a truck. I bought a truck that I shouldn't have bought because we're about to start traveling again. And, and we're in our building phase. Um, we got a new RV. So because we got a bigger RV, I need a bigger truck, you know, so there's just all these extra things. And I, I'm not going to get into a note, you know, like with where the economy is and everything else, like I'm like, I'm purchasing everything full. So I don't have to have all these billings each month. 
So I bought this truck used. Um, and I, I know this much about mechanics. I know nothing. I should, I should not be the one to even make this decision. Right. But this guy was super persuasive. Um, he ended up driving an hour. Like, here's the thing. Also, I felt like I was in a position where I couldn't say no, because I was going to go see the truck and it was only 20 minutes away. So I was going to Uber. But then he's like, oh, well, it's over here and it's an hour and a half. And I was like, look, bro, I can't drive. I'm not Ubering that far for something that I don't know if I'm going to buy. And he was like, well, I'll bring it to you. And I was like, you know what? Sure. Um, that should have been my first hint. Like, ah, you're trying to get rid of it really quick. Fuck. Um, so we're driving it and there was like a, it, it kind of like bounced. And he was like, oh, it just happens. <laughs> Um, it just kind of happens when it gets to, when you get to about 50, well, little, now I know, right. Um, long story short, we were rebuilding the engine. I'm having to pay for the engine to be rebuilt and all this extra stuff. Um, which in, in hindsight, it's working out because it's the truck's mileage goes back to zero. And also the company that's working on it, we have a warranty for 18 months. So I'm about to drive this RV everywhere. Like we're going to go to Washington and then we're going to go to this side and I'm going to go to that side because if something breaks, they're going to fix it. Uh, so it's all working out. But I, I remember when I was purchasing the truck and here's the thing. All right. So now we're talking about centers. I have an open solar plexus. You have an open solar plexus. I don't know about you, but I hate confrontation. I hate if I'm going to say something that's going to upset somebody. I'm like, I don't want to say it. Um, and so I felt like I couldn't say no. He just drove all the way out here. You know, he has a kid on the way. This dude's super excited. And I'm like, oh my God. And I ended up doing it. Um, but long story short, yeah, the spleen. You got to learn to listen to that thing. You got to be in the moment, in the now, because if you are not. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that's true. Like, so true. I have ignored some unique um, hints and suffered. So I, I definitely empathize with that. Um, super funny. I have a story, a cute, funny story about that, actually. Uh, we got home after, I think it was my daughter's um, Christmas thing, rule program, but um, we got home and I was in the truck and he said, hit the trash can. And I said, no, that's stupid. Why would I do that? Like, bonk the trash can. No, I'm not going to do that. My spleen was like, don't do it. Don't do it. And then he was like, come on, do it. Uh, and so I did it. And, you know, now his, what's it called, transmission is shot. And it's like, you know, just from a cracked headlight, um, it fried some part of the truck and then killed his transmission. And now it's at the shop and it's going to be like six grand to fix. Oh. Because I that hit. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. That sucks. That sucks big time. Yeah. I look at it, though, like in, in, hind in a funny way. Because that was the universe, like, trying me. Like, yeah, see what happens if you ignore me. You know you feel me. See what happens if you ignore me. And, yeah. You know, I fucked around and found out again. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And it, to me, it's all about trying to remember that feeling in those moments, right? And then trying to be able to recognize those feelings. Because, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's it's so subtle, so small, so quiet. but 
when I reflect back, I'm like, I know exactly that feeling that it's supposed to be, but it's so hard to recognize it in the moment because in the moment you want all the other, you know, all of your other centers are operating. What are you reflecting? What are you amplifying? Who's in your aura? What, you know, so there's just so much that goes on, but that's why it's so important that you truly understand what your authority is so that you can be like, okay, I don't care if I'm going to hurt this person's feeling. I don't care if you want me to prove myself. I don't care if I'm not making sense to you. I don't need to be certain. Certain. Um, it's all about being able to listen to that authority because this is what's going to keep me the safest and the healthiest. And yeah. 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 yeah listening to that has helped quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, that's why we're here. I listened to that spring shit. It's like, uh, it came, well, you know, came to me dramatic. Um, I felt like the urge to reach out to you and be on the podcast. And that was scary. Um, because I'm still kind of working through that fear of being seen, but I was like, no, I'm going to do it. Just it's good. Just do it. Oh, Listen. Yeah. Not, not, I'm not pushing you to do this. I'm just sharing an idea that just kind of came in or can I share an idea? Yeah. Have yes, you, please. have you ever thought about going live on your TikTok, but just setting it up and like making whatever you're working on. And it's just, it's, you're not interacting you're just letting the world in because remember, you're a manifester. We can't see you. We don't know. And so the more that you let people in behind the scenes, the more that they're going to feel more connected to you because it is hard to see you through the way those mechanics work. Yeah, definitely. Um, that is something I've done. That's, um, but when it comes to my play, I get really, uh, I have the friends that we aforementioned friend. She moved out here and helped me with clay when I was in that, uh-oh, I got to produce. People want my work. I have to prove that I'm a good potter. Um, so I was like overproducing and like killing myself like energetically um, and I'm sharing it with her and trying to teach her how I do things and I have them so specific. So I do think that eventually I will um, do lives with clay. I, I love doing videos and stuff, but lives is... When I'm doing clay, I'm not in my body sometimes. Like, it's just, um, that probably sounds really weird, but I'm just so in the zone that um, I don't want anything else in my space. So, um, so that's kind of why I don't do it too much, but um, I think that it would be good because, you know, just sharing on Instagram and TikTok, all of the small businesses that, um, had similar uh, similar situations to me where they, they wanted to be creative, but XYZ prevented them. Them seeing my story and seeing me be an artist, an artist that is considered to be, you know, a successful artist, um, you know, starting from where I was not supported and just seeing that it is possible. I've had small businesses reach out to me and say, thank you so much. You inspired me. And like that has just been one of the most rewarding things. And it, I, I was just doing clay for me, to be honest. When I do clay, it's for me. <laughs> like I don't do it for anybody else now. So everything I make is all for me, for me and from me. So um, hearing about all of the, the artists that are inspired by what I'm doing is so cool and so crazy. So I love that. And I do think I'll keep uh, an open mind about streaming while I work, but it's tender. 
So everybody has their own cup of tea, right? That maybe then that might not work for you, right? If you run that through your authority, if your authority is like, ah, no, Audrey, this is, this doesn't work. And because you're also a two body, right? You're a hermit. Like when you're working on yourself, it's, it's again, when you think of the house, the way that it's taught, right? That twos in the living room window, people are walking by and seeing. So, you know, it, if, if there ever became a point where you were like, oh, I'm wanting to expand or I'm wanting to uh, nurture my audience, right? I feel like you putting on some music and like setting up or just doing it. You don't even have to be in it. You could just set it up right here. I could, people, you talk about ASMR and like, I don't know. I feel like that would be mesmerizing. And there's so many things you could do with it. Um, But if it doesn't feel good for you and you like to, because like for me, like you said, for me, that's exercise. Like when I exercise, don't talk to me, but I feel like that's a lot of, with a lot of people, right? Um, but that's the only thing I can really relate to. But when I get into my zone, don't talk to me, don't touch me, don't do anything um, that's going to mess up my flow. So I can see where, you know, that's, that might not be something that works well for you. Um, yeah, I, I bet it. No, yeah. I, uh, I definitely think that um, I would definitely open doors and kind of show more of the energy behind the mugs which is really cool so I think even, you know even just the idea of zooming in on the clay has me thinking now yeah that's doable I could do that <laughs> so. yeah there's like little tripod things that you could set up and you can put your camera right over and it's just your hands and like some deep dope music I don't know I would watch it because I watch your videos I'm like that's so cool just to watch. And I'm like, how does she do that? When do you know how to shape it? Like, I have so many questions. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I feel like just, that's one of the things with manifestors, you know, whenever I coach manifestors, um, it, how can you show more? How can you inform more, right? If informing is how you inform all the people around you, how are you informing people who are interested in your work or people who are interested in your business. Uh, and I just think social media has such big opportunity, but you have to do it in a way that aligns with you. Right. Uh, because yeah, then you just have to do it in a way that aligns with you. So you don't burn yourself out. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Which I did frequently before I knew human design. So yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> How do you manage both? Um, both. Well, you do human design coaching, right? And you do that. I mean, that's a, I don't know. <laughs> I, I can only focus on one thing. So I'm just thinking like, and this, so I'm just curious, like, how do you handle both? Well, I, I think without one or the other, there would not be the other. Does that make sense? Like if there was no play, there would be no coaching or I would burn myself out or not be able to do it. Because when I work with play, it fills up my cup and like, recharges and refreshes me and then when I coach it's not that it depletes my energy but it's um it is work kind of so it um I don't know I don't know how to put that into words <laughs> exactly but basically without one you know the other one struggles <laughs> well but it honestly like hearing you talk it's also making a lot of sense to me um, because I need a different outlet. I don't want exercise just to be my outlet. What if I don't want to exercise, right? Um, so 
and I just looked at your chart and you have gate 41 and gate 41 is actually in your subconscious Saturn. So you actually need discipline around here and gate 41, you know, being the gate of limitation, you need a creative outlet in order for this energy to remain balanced and to remain healthy. Because when gate 41 is unbalanced and it's not being expressed in a healthy manner, you think worst case scenario, you think worst, all the possibilities, you're like, oh, how can this go wrong? How can you do this? But when you can channel that pressure and that creative energy um, towards a, you know, a mug or something else, like it can really blossom into something beautiful. So I think that with what you're saying, it makes a hundred percent sense that you utilize, you know, your energy in different aspects and the way it works for you, especially with your, your, it's almost like you've turned your passion into and income, you know, yeah. but having that balance to where you're not, not passionate anymore. Yeah. And that was something that was hard learned, but so needed. Um, when, when I was in the overproduction phase and I felt the pressure to create, 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 I hated clay. I never wanted to make a mug again. I wanted to quit. I told my partner, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I'm going to be a lawyer, <laughs> just going off and doing something else, but I didn't become a lawyer, obviously. but yeah, learning that balance and keeping it for me, like not taking commissions. I cannot take commissions. Sometimes I do like very, very rarely. I, I do take um, kind of like general um, requests and then I make it my own, but I did for a while. I was doing commissions and doing only what other people wanted me to do and it killed my soul. Like I, it crushed me and I didn't want to keep doing it. So yeah, keeping clay for me and my healing and my time is um, like so important for me. Yeah, I believe it. I can see it, you know, and I've got, oh God, I want one of your mugs. I'm going to buy one. I'm like waiting. Um, I'm just, huh? Which one do you I don't know. I feel like I'm waiting for you to come across one. I mean, I was so drawn to the mushroom ones, like the mushrooms and the moon. Um, that one was really captured my attention, but all of them are just so fascinating. I was thinking about getting, you have one out or there's, it's either coming up or it's out. I'm not sure, but it's those little black dudes and the, the yarn and it looks like they're knitting or something. Um, my partner's into crafts. So I was like, ah, this would have been the perfect Mother's Day gift for you. Um, I'm just, I'm so fascinated. And that's where, you know, I feel like, yes, maybe you, you, I mean, taking commissions, but I'm so excited to see like what you come up with next. I'm like, what are you going to do? Because you've gone from these Halloween, you did one with, it was the book from um, uh, Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Yes, I was like, what is that? Like the creativity blows my mind. Um, so yeah, I mean, you just need to keep doing what you're doing because it truly, truly, um, I'm a huge fan. I can't even express it to you. Like it, it inspires me. It's almost like you're the way that you're just being yourself and putting your art. It's like, it initiates me. I'm like, what do I, where's my creative energy? Where am I channeling this? Um, so I'm just, I'm obsessed. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. you're welcome. Um, so besides your mugs and you, do you have any offers or anything current that you would like to share? I'm kind of going to, I do offer human design readings and coaching, but I'm almost at a point where I'm putting that on 
not hold, but it my focus. I can feel my attention and my focus shifting. So um, yeah. So, so there's not really um, an offer beyond I love coaching and um, it, you know not just human design but like money blocks which is okay it's human design too uh, love blocks all of those things they fascinate me and I love helping people kind of like um, get back up and move beyond those blocks and really start pulling in abundance and love the way that they deserve because I do believe that we all deserve. That, that abundant life and it's unique to all of us and I do think that it's available to everybody um, and it just um, you know it depends on where you're at in your life how much help or support you need to get that life so I love what I do as a coach and I don't think I will ever quit I think coaching is something that um, like clay I'm gonna need to have um, the rest of my life but I also I've been feeling pulled to write fantasy novels and I have like a book in my phone that I've been texting myself for like two years. So I have like a book in my phone that I need to write. So <laughs> yeah, manifestor stuff. <laughs> no, because that's exactly it. I mean, like that is truly a, a beautiful just example of you living in your design and being like, I truly don't know, I could make clay, I could coach human design, I could write a book, I couldn't say that. There's no way I I with projectors, like, I got to get specific. <laughs> like, it has to be specific. I don't have all this energy. And I don't get these creative bursts. It's like, I just have my root and my spleen. And my roots is what gives me energy. And I've got to really work with what I have a pulse for and what I don't have a pulse for and just getting very specific. So with you being able to have these visions and just kind of waiting for what direction and not putting yourself in a box and not trying to niche down is where you're really going to thrive and shine and have a big impact because you're following your vision and your desires as a manifester. Yeah. That's something I've noticed too, just the other night, I was talking to my partner. Like, we have these intense sessions. He's, like, my biggest life coach sometimes. Um, it's funny. But um, we were talking about when I used my urge for another person because I wanted to save them or help them or give them some of the good that I had gotten from myself. I wanted to share my abundance with them. Every time I sacrificed my urge for another person, there were, like, consequences, like, big ones. So um like where I am now I have so much like, um, confidence I suppose in my urges now I know that I'm not selfish for indulging that I'm not selfish for shifting my focus and writing a book um, I'm not wrong for doing that and I have nothing to prove and that's insanely helpful <laughs> like so helpful yeah. I mean, just, just that stigma of like feeling like you need to prove something can truly keep you in relationships and patterns that aren't taking you to that place of peace or success or satisfaction. It's like, you're just truly living in your transference and creating environments that are just full of resistance. Um, all because subconsciously you want to prove something and so really just having that awareness and you know 70% of people have this undefined like this is most people in today's society are operating 
just trying to prove themselves to other people. And they don't even know like what they want or what their energy feels like. Um, yeah. So just having that awareness and growing that awareness, it, it truly, truly can save you. Super, super true. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Audrey, I think that is all I have for you today. This has been absolutely amazing. You are literally an example of, of what it means to fight and to survive and to be able to, um, to, to heal themselves and start showing up and living a life that you truly feels good to you. Right. Um, so I just want to thank you for inviting me for coming on here today. The invitation felt so successful and so sweet. So I truly, truly appreciate it. Um, do you have any additional thoughts that you would like to share with everybody? Um, just that there's um, like it's worth messing around with human design, like it's worth experimenting and looking into it and applying your strategy and your authority. It's like an inner compass to the life that you like sometimes don't even know that you want. And um, so, yeah, I think that's <laughs> don't feel like I don't know, any pressure from me, but I think experimenting with human design is really cool and applying it to your life and seeing what happens like that it's like it's totally scientific and you know being able to see it unfold is like it's like the evidence makes it more potent and more potent, and more potent like the more you experiment with it so yeah, i think that's probably last words on human design <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> No, that's perfect. I mean, I tell people all the time, you know, I'm not here to prove anything to you. Like, yes. I'm not trying to prove that you're this person. I am not trying to prove that this works. I am simply sharing energy that I'm seeing from your chart. And it's up to you <laughs> to experiment with the information that's being delivered to see how it feels for you, how it fits for you. Um, you know, I tell everybody, I'm like, run it through your authority. Like, I'm not saying I know what's best. I am just giving advice. Um, and so experimenting with it, like just giving this freedom to play with it. When you see the results, it's kind of hard to deny like, oh, this works. <laughs> oh, there's some validity here. But I think it takes getting past that. I don't know what it takes getting past. I think it just takes getting past allowing yourself to be open minded and being able to, um, you know, make that decision that like, I'm going to take a real hard look at myself now. I need to take a real hard look at how I'm showing up, how I'm exerting my energy. And that's why I love doing shadow work with human design, right? Diving in and really seeing this, this unconscious expression of yourself. Um, so yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Experiment, experiment, experiment. Yep. I love it. Perfect. All right, Audrey, I will, um, let you know when this episode is going to be released. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of Manifestor Liberation, Healing Wounds and Embracing Authenticity with Audrey Fisk. I want to give a shout out to Audrey for joining us today and sharing her wisdom and experiences as a 5-2 manifester. But go check out her mugs. You will not be disappointed and you can find the link to her mugs in the show notes below. 
Remember to subscribe to the Projector Guidance Podcast for more engaging episodes, expert interviews, and transformative discussions. By staying connected, you'll continue to receive guidance and support as we delve into the various aspects of human design. Together, we can unlock the true potential of our unique designs and live lives aligned with our authentic selves. Until next time, may each of you embrace the power of your human design, honor your true essence, and thrive in the magic that unfolds when we live in alignment with our authentic selves.